1: of death and grief. Each week, I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast. Hey Greasters, I hope you're having an okay week. This is the final episode of this season. Uh, Woo! we got here. This has been the longest season I've ever done. Um, Mainly just because brilliant people kept wanting to talk to me and I kept wanting to share their stories. We will be back in the autumn, uh, so don't panic. Uh, If you have been enjoying the series so far, I'm pausing, you know what I'm going to say. But basically, you can rate, review and subscribe. Some of you have already done this. Thank you so much I genuinely want to say thank you like this season has been a bit special Um, doing these shows in such weird circumstances moving to recording remotely everybody in lockdown and You've all been so amazing. Um, so yeah, if you've already done it, don't worry about it. Kick back, relax, have some chocolate and a cup of tea and think your job is done. Um, if you haven't and you have enjoyed a particular episode and you just want to tell the world or tweet about it, um, it really does mean a lot to me. and means I can continue doing the show. Also this, oh, just to say, I don't ever mention it, but there is a way to support me uh, in a different way. If you head to supporter.acast.com forward slash griefcast, uh, you can support the show financially. Uh, you can donate anything you like at all. Um, and obviously, you absolutely don't have to do that. But if you would like to support the show that way, uh, that means a huge amount to me. And I'll be honest, lots of you have been doing this. And I didn't, I didn't really understand how to log in properly. So I only just discovered that not only have you been donating so generously you've also um been leaving me messages which i've just found so thank you so much it, uh, i genuinely genuinely mean it it's um i'm gonna go sentimental now guys but yeah i started this show um five years ago and i am a bit stunned that we're still here and people still want to have these conversations and are still opening up and that you guys are still willing to listen to them and i know this year has been shit shall we say um so I really, really appreciated having the grief cast to come back to, to give me a focus and a community to come back to when it's all got a bit much. So thank you in whatever way you've supported me, genuinely. And if you don't want to, or you've done it already, don't worry about it. No, no, no problems. <laughs> thank you. This week is a also special episode. It's the first time I'm speaking to a brother and a sister. Our guests this week are the brilliant Stephen and Anita Mangan. Uh, You'll probably recognise Stephen. He's been in many, many brilliant television, theatre, comedies, dramas, all sorts of things. Um, You may recognise him from Green Wing or the Jeeves and Worcester or The Split, which he's in currently, or Alan Partridge. I mean, honestly, his CV is ridiculous. He's been in so many things. He also happens to be an incredibly charming and wonderful, funny, lovely person as well. And he runs in the family. His sister is a graphic designer and illustrator... Uh, and also a wonderful person and they have collaborated on a new book called escape the rooms um you'll hear Stephen talk about it it's kind of aimed at sort of like 9 to 14 year olds but I loved it (laughs) says my mental capacity but I loved it it's such a brilliant book and it kind of deals with grief in one of the best ways I think for children's books actually because the two main characters are have experienced grief but it's kind of like under the surface and if you are someone who was bereaved when you're young you'll know how much it kind of is there and isn't there at the same time. Um, it's out now published by Scholastic and yeah it's a really it's such a lovely book and Anita's illustrations are so funny and yeah I really loved it so definitely recommended by Groovecast. Um, Stephen and Anita came in to talk to me about their parents uh, their mum passed away when they were in their early 20s and their dad passed away 15 years later So Anita and, and Stephen, who are we remembering today? Both our parents, actually, mum
3: and dad. Okay. Mum died 30 years ago. Dad died 16 years ago. Wow. Yeah. So who's
1: the older? Uh, me. He is. <laughs> by a year? <laughs> with,
0: with, uh, yeah, <laughs> can you tell? We're, uh, by our voices, we are, uh, yeah, very close, only 14 months between us. So. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's super close. So how old were you, Stephen, when you are uh, Mum died. Mum
0: was young. I mean, she had me when she was 22, I think. Oh. So uh, she died at 45. I was about 22, I think, when she died. Wow. Oh, was so that you, right, were, Anita? Yeah. you were
1: just 21, Anita? I was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we've
0: got a younger sister, Lisa. So, yeah, we were... I mean, we were, we were reasonably old, considering she was only 45. Mm. Um, we were lucky, I suppose, that she'd had us young uh, because, uh, I mean... Uh, my youngest I had well I didn't have him but my wife had him <laughs> when I was nearly 50 so wow. uh, so yeah so we we, uh, we were in our early 20s I just left university and was sort of wondering what I was going to do with my life I trained to be a lawyer and that was never going to happen I think <laughs> but um, uh, and Anita you were I don't want to speak for you what were you yeah, doing at
3: the do. time? What was I? What was I doing? I was. Um, I'd been. I'd lived in Spain for a couple of years, and I was back and working at Comic Relief. That's what oh, wow. I was doing. Yeah, I'd, I hadn't long started there, and yeah, so I was there. Very, very supportive group of people it was very small in those days as well there were only 17 of us that worked there so it was like a extended family so it was it
1: was lovely and very helpful yeah and so what did she die of what happened
0: Uh, she had uh, bowel cancer um i mean she was incredibly healthy you know didn't smoke ever i think she probably smoked one cigarette in her entire life didn't drink much ate well exercised looked you know was, was fit and healthy to all intents and purposes and um I was having dinner with her one night just the two of us at home and uh, she got up from the table and went next door and I found her a few minutes later she was doubled up in pain the doctors didn't think it was anything serious we had you know she went in for a, an operation and then uh, she was in there for hours and we came out that you know the doctor came out to speak to us and do you remember he couldn't look us in the, look us in the face he was yeah, sort of looking at yeah. the ground and we were thinking this doesn't this doesn't sound like it's going to be everything's fine she'll be back home tomorrow kind of speech And she had bowel cancer and was dead six months later
4: oh
1: my god that's so fast so
0: I
3: remember about that um that moment in the hospital as well is just I think I I just didn't believe it at all I just refused to Mm. believe it um I remember that so clearly only you know even all the way through her illness I just refused to believe that this was going to End badly, mm. um, in denial maybe is the um, expression, but um, yeah, and not realistic about it. And it was only when she died I thought, okay, this is real, this is yeah. this is happening, and um, yeah. But I just remember that that moment in the hospital. You do remember those moments, don't you? Yeah, just yeah. The, the key,
1: the key moments. Mm. It's so um, yeah, it, it's it's so common. I speak to so many people who say, you know, it was just. We just couldn't take it in, we just couldn't believe it. And I think it's interesting. My dad was 44 when he died of liver, liver, um, pancreatic cancer, but they found it in the liver first, so he, he got both. Mm. <laughs> and um, same, very healthy. He had smoked and drunk, like he'd enjoyed himself as a young man, but, um, but he was like training for an Ironman and was like running triathlons yeah. and marathons. And that same thing where everybody's a bit like, what? And I think it's quite hard when someone's young and they look quite healthy and that, you know, no one's been worrying about them. You know, that kind of like, sometimes you get like a person, you're like, oh, everyone's like, oh yeah, they're not very healthy, are they? Mm-hmm. Like they're in that category where everyone's like, oh yeah, they're fine. And if they suddenly, the word cancer gets used, you can, it's really hard for your brain to go, what? How is that in that person when they're fine? Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and then the person who's supposed to be looking after you and it's yeah. you know, not supposed to be, this is not supposed to be happening at that mm. point. I mean, I think cancer, if you're young and healthy and your cells are dividing quickly, I think that's yeah. not, it's not very helpful, is it? But yeah, it's just a total shock, really. Although, I mean, her mother, my ma- our grandmother had died at 47
2: wow. of
0: cancer. Uh, her father had died at 63, I think he was. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they were, they were sort of in the family uh, and it was around. And her mum, I was the first grandchild to be born and so I was my mum was pregnant with me when my grandmother died Mm. but yeah it's but that was sort of back in the 60s in rural Ireland you know I mean she had an awful time my grandmother apparently had paracetamol that was the drug that she had
1: oh oh my god for her wound cancer
0: um that's all she had and our, our two Uh, my mum's youngest siblings uh, Alan and Bridget who were 9 and 11 at the time they just remember her just on the bed you know with literally Mm -hmm. paracetamol and last stage cancer uh, and horrendous pain and absolutely no medical help at all and then uh, Bridget came to live with us she was sort of like our older sister and Alan went to live with uh, our uncles down on the uh, south coast in in, uh, Chichester and he died i mean that was our first experience of grief really was alan wasn't it our first sort of bad you know uh, he uh he horrible story he was um in london working for his sister bridget uh, but it was his youngest son's third birthday and he was racing home from london to get back in time for his son's third birthday and had a car crash on the way back and died Age twenty-seven. Oh um, my
1: God!
0: So that that was, that that phone call that we got in the middle of the night was um, the worst. Was that was the really? I mean, this this one. I think you know, a, a death where there's an illness and things start to get worse, and you start to realise what's coming is one thing. I think, mm. and then uh, the the violence, the emotional violence of a sudden thing like that—a twenty-seven-year-old man. And And we all had to we got a phone call. I, I, I remember in the middle of the night, it was probably about midnight. We all had to pile into the car and drive round to Bridget's, and that you know, Alan and Bridget were really close. Mm. After all, they'd been through an island together. And you know, I remember driving up to our house and her seeing our car and going, "Is that Mary's car? Is that that's my mum's name, our mum's name. Is that Mary's car outside?" And knowing that we were going to have to tell her something,
3: and she was pregnant
0: she was pregnant oh yeah, yeah tell, tell her something that would effectively you know yeah, change really. the course of her life and,
1: yeah uh,
0: that was that was really really hard and that whole aftermath of that Alan's death was we all went down to Chichester and hung out with they were all big we're big Irish families mum was one of seven dad not one of nine wow. uh, so we sort of and, you know, which is great at a time like that because there's so many people around, there's so many people mm. to share it with and to be around and just sort of sit in rooms with all these aunts and uncles and cousins, all in a similar state of shock and, you know, disbelief.
1: And so death was kind of, and this is my experience of talking to people who do have Irish families, is that it's not hidden away. Like when something happens, the children, like you said, they get in the car, they go get delivered news as much as. Which is very different from people brought up in a much more, you know, traditionally English, you know, stereotypical cliched. Obviously, not everyone experiences that. But you were very involved. You knew people were talking about Alan. and.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, it was the same um, experience when mum was ill. Our house was... It was full of people and when dad was ill you know every night we we'd have to go to sainsbury's <laughs> i don't know why i remember these things to buy more chocolate puddings but it, was, it, it was all about um everyone was there for dinner whoever was around just stayed for dinner you know stephen would get his guitar out am i allowed to say this stephen <laughs> yeah
0: i mean that does sound like uh i took the opportunity of having an audience in the house you know, while you're all here i've been uh, workshopping couple a couple of numbers. <laughs>
3: Uh, uh. by the rivers of <laughs>
0: this one is 28 minutes long and it's called me and my talent
3: but uh no it's just a collective um you know a family time and and there would be laughter and there would be mm. you know giggling and there would be crying and there would be yeah and and i think that's just a close family thing for mm. you know and awesome for lots of people I and mean, it's so
1: helpful. God, I think it's so it's so interesting me because like I, you know I, I try and speak to people from all sorts of backgrounds but I have spoken to I would say a higher number of people from Irish backgrounds because they're so willing to talk about it yeah. <laughs> and they're so comfortable with it and they also... and I when I do we do live episodes with three comedians and I remember a particular episode we had a Irish comedian called Gronya Maguire yeah brilliant brilliant comedian and um there was uh I think he's British Indian and comedian Ahir Shah and he was saying oh I've you know I've heard this thing that obviously is not true that you have like the body in the house with you (laughs) I'm like what a weird thing to say about Irish people right and she was like what it's true and yeah. I remember his face just being like oh, I thought that was something mean people said about Irish people like of course they wouldn't do that and she was like well and Gwanya said this such lovely thing which really stuck with me it was like how rude not to invite them to the party she was like yeah. it's for them <laughs> and I was I found that like you said, I think it's really helpful because it's just something you didn't, it never seems to be in Irish culture, a thing that's shameful or hidden. Mm. It's like death is like, no, no, that's, it's a very normal. It's very, we it's talk so common. about it, we share it. Yeah, it's yeah, so I common. Guess so. I mean,
0: it's just, there's so many people. And, you know, mm. I think our grandmother on oh, no, my dad's side had 11 children, but only nine survived. And oh, the younger, I, I mean, she, the last one she had, cause she was a bit older, was she was in hospital and they would take the babies away every evening. And bring them back out to the mothers each morning, and all the babies were brought out in the morning and given to each of the mothers in the ward, and no, no baby was brought to her, and she was like, "Where's my baby?" And the nurse oh. said, "Oh, didn't anyone tell you it died in the night?" Mm. Um, oh, you God. know, it's that kind of—I yeah. mean, not not flippancy, but just it's
1: you know, of life. It yeah, happened. it's very it close. A lot. Yeah, when it's that close, then it, of course, it becomes disgust. So, yeah. with your mum, was she able to talk about her? her death did you have those conversations before she died or was it too painful
0: not really no No. I think she was in I think she was trying to hang on to her own hope Mm. and I think she was conscious of her position as sort of the mother and I think she was obviously worried about us and trying to I remember Bridget asked her at one point how do you feel and mum said how do you think I feel and that was about the closest she got to sort of (laughs) you know sort of snapping or Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't know how she did it, but she, she didn't talk. She didn't talk about it, not to us, anyway. Mm. I don't know whether she did to Dad or not, but not to us.
1: It's so hard, isn't it? yeah. My, I, you know, obviously spoken to so many people, but yeah, my Dad refused to talk about it. Just refused. And at the time, obviously, I was 15, so that little bit younger, and I was very angry anyway, mm. <laughs> and it just added to the fury. But now I'm at that. I'm much older. I think I've got to. How can you talk about it to your you just don't want it to be true. You just don't want mm. it to be true, you know. So how do you begin that even begin that conversation with your children? It's so difficult.
0: Well, all the language around it as well, the battle, you know, I'm going to battle it, mm. I'm going to beat it, I'm going to win, you know. This, this is kind of myth yeah. that, you know, if you're strong enough and fight hard enough, you can, you can win the battle. Yeah. Whereas, of course, you know, if you see it happen, it's a process you go through. It's a medical process you go through. And I'm sure a state of mind could well have an impact, but it's not a battle. You know, Mm -hmm. some people, you know, like mum, by the time they found mum's cancer, it was in her liver already, Mm. a very large tumour in her bowel. There was no way she was going to come back from that. It just was discovered too late. You know, if she discovered it earlier, the process of radiotherapy and chemotherapy might have worked and she might still be here. But yeah she just it just happened too late and I suppose that denial as well the symptoms thing I mean we're big advocates of getting yourself checked out because you really want to find out before it's too late I mean we um. go and have a camera shoved up there every <laughs> every every few years uh the actress Geraldine James put me on to uh, St Mark's Hospital to a sort of family they have a family cancer unit and they they they're you know looking at bowel cancer and if it's genetic and stuff so we're on that program and we we get tested and it's pretty i mean it's not the best day out but <laughs> but you know it's very helpful uh, better to know early yeah
1: oh god yeah. yeah 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 and i think so my husband both his parents died of cancer and so of my dad died of cancer and i think you enter this world of it's not hypochondria it's like the death anxiety we've also used that phrase on the show of like every single A campaign pain is like well okay and you are you know you do you're like i'll get it checked out i'll have a we've had so many tests on things and you can see sometimes medical professionals obviously it's a very hard job but they'll you know sometimes people are lovely and sometimes they're like oh and you're like no i won't be embarrassed because it was found too late in my parents. So yeah, I'm yeah. going to get every test going. <laughs> because yeah, absolutely. I, I saw what happened when when people got shoved away by people s- making them feel that they were, they were making a fuss, you know. Mm. And, yeah, it's, it's...
0: But I'm convinced I'm going to live to 90. I mean, I, I, I don't you? think it's going to get me, no. No way. <laughs> I mean, I I mean, I'm, I may be totally delusional, but I think, yeah, I, I actually feel I might never die. <laughs>
1: All right. I've just here. got a feeling,
0: today anyway, I've just got a feeling that maybe I'll just dodge that.
1: That's really interesting because what's happened to me is I, I am just, ter- I am so terrified. I just think, because it was very sudden, I guess maybe I was younger. My- just terrified <clears> of cancer
0: <throat> or terrified of just death in general?
1: Death in general. Cancer is definitely one you've got to watch out for. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I think everyone's going to die. Like, I've got that, like, as soon as someone says to me something like, oh, um, yeah, so-and-so's mum's not very well, I think, oh, they're going to die. Like, I'm very, I'm very like, yeah, do you say that to them? <laughs> no, but when they like,
0: you have a good time like, reassuring friend I know, I know, reigns.
1: and then but if they say, like, oh, so and so's mom's got cancer, and you know, what most people want is like, you know, but they're gonna battle it, they're really strong, and I'll be like, mm, mm, okay, I know, because I just can't, me I can't do the kind of, yeah, I can't believe this battle of it because I know that's not true. Like, my dad was like an ox, you know, he was such a powerful, positive person, all that. Very good mentality, very good positive thinking, and it killed him. And so I mm. think I I can't help but be like, sometimes people just die. But mm. I think that's great, Stephen, if you, if you feel like a mortal. I think that's probably
4: more healthy.
0: I very much live with the, with the, with the, with the knowledge that it, this won't last. But that, mm. it, I'm sure you've talked about this a lot on this podcast, but it's, it's what you do with that knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you either live in denial and just pretend nothing's ever going to happen bad uh, or you or you accept that we've only got a certain amount of time and, so and you might as well get on with it i mean that's that yes. mum's death changed my life because i decided to become an actor you know during that whole process and i think my audition for rada was 10 days after her funeral or 10 wow. days after she died which is actually in retrospect the best time to do an audition because yeah
1: yeah, yeah. there's nothing more care. attractive
0: in an actor who doesn't give a flying
1: yeah about, <laughs> you can swear about this one fuck about <laughs> yeah. whether uh,
0: about whether they get in or not there's something very um uh, liberating about that i mean i i, I wouldn't recommend it as an imp- as a tactic for important <laughs> auditions but uh, yeah but yeah, it we... did it it made me think if, if her mum was 47 and and, and my mum was 45 then wow i might have 20 years so let's ditch the law who am I kidding I'm mm-hmm. never going to be Rumpole of the Bailey one for the kids uh, and, uh,
1: but you want to play Rumpole of the Bailey I that's want to play and in to, yeah. fact
0: I am now playing a barrister I'm literally playing a barrister in the split we're about to start filming next week so I get to be a lawyer and wear makeup so I get to do both <laughs> it's the
1: dream it's the absolute dream it yeah is. I think that's really that that feeling we've talked about it on the show I always describe it as the fire so it's like I think for the I found roughly and from talking to people the first five years after a parent dies you're a little bit untouchable like because you just don't care you just don't care any anymore about all this stuff that had seemed so important has just disappeared and I was definitely yeah I was that feeling like you said it's a weird feeling it's not you wouldn't choose it but it is a one good thing that happens in this like shit storm is that you're sort of quite powerful because your vision of what the life means and what you need to do is quite clear did you have that Anita did you kind of have, love this moment of like okay
3: yeah, I, I I think I've had it ever since and particularly after dad died just that thing of we really don't you know we really might not have that much time, mm. so I'm gonna fill my life and I'm gonna do anything I want to do and I've literally just i mean i I trained to be a graphic designer and illustrator at thirty one so um mm. that was that was five years before Dad died, but I just thought i I can do anything yeah i I just fill my day and I'm very positive about life and i and I enjoy myself as well, I just make sure I do things I enjoy and i think I suppose that's also. A symptom of getting a bit older you just
0: you you've kind always, of drop you've, the things but you've always you done things do. you enjoy haven't you
3: <laughs> i have always done things yeah. i enjoy yeah
0: <laughs> i mean you've I think, been you've been very good at very good at that it's very admirable but you've very always yeah. uh, you know done what you wanted to do and
3: yeah i mean i didn't really know what i wanted to do for a lot of the time but i just i, I kind of I do enjoy what I'm doing at the time, <laughs> apart from three days uh, temping with uh, a travel agent. <laughs> called I went. I won't name him, but it was the worst three days ever because it was so horrible. But that's uh, <laughs> that's, that's, the, only that's, that's me, the only time. That's the only time I've been unhappy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I think we. I talked. You know, again, people who've lost parents young, it shapes you. There's no denying about it. It shapes you. And then, how do you? This is something I always find interesting is that it shapes you sometimes in a positive way but there's this weird tension because it's come from such sadness. So you mm-hmm. have this life where you're like, "Oh, I really know what matters. I really know what's important." And if I'm scared of something, I do have a really like fuck it, like what's the worst than, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. If I'm embarrassed fine, I'm not dead. <laughs> like
3: mm, yeah. But then
1: you know this comes from this sort of really painful things. So it's like trying to hold do you, do you know what I mean? I'm not saying it very well. Of like yeah, that tension okay. of where it comes from, and sometimes you're sort of pleased that you have that, and then also like people go, "Wow, you just don't care," or you do this, and you think, "Yeah, because my parent died." <laughs> like, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you exactly. It's it's a it's a, it's a it's a positive thing, but it comes mm. at a great cost. Mm. I mean, what is life but literally dealing with the stuff that's thrown at you? I mean, that's kind of that's kind of it, isn't it? And some mm. people. I, I always feel grateful that we had, a, had parents who who were so warm and loving and smart and uh, interesting and you know they loved each other they loved us we were a very happy family uh, and yes they died early but you know there are people who have horrendous relationships with their parents yeah. all yeah. the way through their childhood and their parents live to be 172 <laughs> and they <laughs> hate each other for all their, each one of those 172 years I mean I, I got 22 years with mum I, I mean, the hardest thing for me to deal with is is the kids, mm, not yeah. them. You know, she never met Louise, my wife. She never met our children, and I'd never got to know her as an adult. You know, yeah. I, I really sort of knew her as a child, and you wonder that thing that happens when you get older and you start to see your parents as people rather than your parents, yeah. and you start to see them as, you know, for all the all the, the the good and the bad and the the, the you know the comp the complexity, full complexity of them we sort of never really got to that point so
3: we got we got to that with dad you know there was a real shift after mum died of us all of a sudden you know we were friends with dad rather than him being the disciplinarian and the, mm. the, the head of the family sort of thing um and we had a we had a great time with dad and he really just after mum died um it sounds like he's just like he went, you know, he wanted to go on holiday a lot. Yeah, she's dead. Let's go on holiday. Um, no, but we did. <laughs> he took mean. us away a lot. You know, he sort of like, we've, we've got to travel. He, he traveled the world, didn't he, Stephen? He just thought, I, life is too short. I'm, mm. I, you know, I mean, yeah. those though, though, those were the moments he should have been spending with mum doing that because yeah, they we were, were a bit all older about to and leave we the house. And, yeah, yeah. they're about yeah. to get
0: rid of us all finally from the house and be able to do what they wanted. But. He was um, he was so
3: adventurous, and he just he he thought, well, I you know, I'm not I'm not going to waste any time. I'm I'm going to do all these things, and we're so glad he did because then, you know, 15 years later or whatever it was,
1: he died. So, and did um, he die of cancer as well? Yeah, Yeah, brain tumor. Brain
0: tumor. So again, six months from diagnosis to death. So, for a very similar kind of time period. He developed severe headaches and you know wonder what it was got a got a tr- diagnosis in february i think it was and died at the beginning of september so yeah Ugh. so again again a short period of time and again lucky i was lucky around to be around to look help look after him in fact we were filming the second series of green wing at the time wow. which was really bizarre filming in a real hospital all day and then going to visit my dad in a oh my god another hospital in the evening yeah um but they shut down the whole production of Greenwing for 10 days so I could be there with him at the end oh. which is unheard of and you know yeah. I mean, you, you just wouldn't you, people wouldn't do that now but they were um they were very very uh considerate but yeah he was 63 which again is just too young and considering mm. he's one of you know he's the sixth child of nine and all the rest of them are still happily yeah. you know happy to say very healthy and well, he, he just just unlucky, you know. He was,
3: yeah. He was. I I remember thinking that after Mum died, you know, just Dad's obviously Dad's going to be okay because he comes from, you know, the, his his family history was really positive. Yeah. His dad died at ninety two. His mum at eighty nine. All really healthy. And I thought, oh well, you know,
1: he's he's from kind of healthier stock, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> but um, yeah. but yeah, no. I know it's so crazy. My my dad, both his parents well my grandpa died six months after my dad but really because my dad had died and my grandma lived to yeah nearly I think she died just before her 100th birthday and mm. it's so you know what that's what's interesting with the genetic thing because you know obviously if you're anxious and you're worrying about it, it sometimes you're looking for something that doesn't make there is no sense to it because yeah mm. my dad my dad has you know two older brothers who are still here still healthy absolutely fine it's just there's no mm. fucking rhyme or reason to it and and so much of grief is I think sometimes with the death is is just coming to a peace with that of like people just die and there's no you know you can't pin anything on it you can't but so much of life is about oh that happened because of this and I did this and this is what makes sense and it's like people just die that's just the body just Mm. doesn't always do what you want it to do.
2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
1: Welcome back to GriefCast with Carrie Adloyde. How did you, how was that after your dad? Like I've spoken to a lot of people about once both parents are gone, there's another change in your life of like, oh, okay, it's, it's me now. Did you sort of feel that?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, when mum died, she could look to dad hmm. to sort of lead the way yeah and then and then when dad died that's kind of it it was just us we're the next on the conveyor belt we're the sort of most senior people but again i say that but we we have we're very close to our uncles and aunts and there's a lot of them i mean we have something like 52 first cousins or something like that wow (laughs) Uh, so you know there's there's plenty sort of Big eyebrows, curly hair, toothy people out there. <laughs> <laughs> you could turn around and go, you know. Um,
3: that makes <laughs> us sound like the, anyone with big eyebrows and teeth.
0: What, We're just are... going
3: to go and grab them and say, "Help me!"
0: That's what I, that's what got me through.
1: <laughs> you, you'll do. You must be related to. <laughs> yeah, me. Come I on. mean, surely.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know. Uh, I mean, I don't. I, it's yeah. You're you are. But I think by then, I think that process, like I said before, the emotional violence of someone, a knock on the door and the policeman saying, mm. or the, somebody saying something terrible has happened, compared to that bit of time to start getting your head around it and to start grieving mm. um, ahead of the event. And obviously, we'd been through it once. So we started to, I, mean, I don't know, did you, I don't know if it'd be interesting, Anita, that's the denial thing. Did you, did you feel it again with dad?
3: No, no. Not, not then, and and also, you know, being sort of that bit older as well. Um, no, I was, I was definitely, you know, and you saw his demise as well, and so no, I, I, I did take it on board the second time.
0: But we sat. I mean, after he died, we found our uncles, oh yeah, who came to the house to the two two of them who lived nearby, and then over the next twenty four hours, we we we, he, he, we kept him there, and uh one by one his brothers and sisters turned up and one by one you go to the front door and greet them and you know have that sort of awful moment and bring them in and and we just all sat around for you know a whole day yeah uh just uh, you know maybe 15 20 people in that room mm. just talking and crying and laughing and you know uh it was a very much a shared ex- experience it was mm. it wasn't I don't know I don't know where, I, I don't know whether other people would find that odd an odd thing to do you know that once once someone's died you want to sort of get rid of the body but it didn't seem right I kind of wanted or we wanted everyone to have a chance to say goodbye and to share in that moment and share it with us and each other and so that's what yeah. we did and, I, and I'm glad we did I think it was really healthy and a useful thing to do i mean I, we're just so used to it being from a big family my my dad worked with his brothers and sisters i'm now working with my sister on this Yay. book yes. uh, my mum's <laughs> brothers my mum's brothers all worked together i mean they're all builders my both families my mum's and my dad's family my 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 mum's family were all builders down the south coast they all worked together dad's finsbury park you know they all had a company building company together so it's just in built into us that family is where you turn to Mm. at moments of any stress or problems or difficulties and that they're there for you and you don't have to ask you don't have to explain and we still I mean I still go back to Ireland when we can obviously things have been different the last year or two but every summer there's a a week or two in August where we all go back and there's sort of dozens dozens of us descend uh, (laughs) on this little town on the west coast of Ireland and um uh, clog up the bars and the beaches and uh, uh shelter from the rain <laughs> uh, uh, so but you know that's that's it's just uh, the thought of being you know when a funeral when there's two people there or mm. or not to have sisters or, or brothers or cousins or uncles to share any of that with and i know a lot of people go through these things on their own and to mm. me that's that's almost more difficult than the idea of going through it in the first place mm. um you know life is going to throw all this stuff at you but at least we have a big group of us who can help absorb the impact together uh, and that's priceless
1: yeah it really is it really is i think it's I mean, obviously, as you said, you can come from a big family and everyone can hate each other. Yeah, true. <laughs> but like yeah. it sounds like you're, you know, it's a big family that's full of love and everyone likes each other and and makes an effort with each other because obviously these things don't just happen because you're related. You have to make effort to care for people, and I think, yeah, I I think it's a really lovely, lovely thing, and I think from I think definitely keeping the body and just having people around. There's something about it that just makes sense. It just makes sense mm. for us as as the animals that we are as humans. If that's, you know, that's what needs to happen. And obviously, you know, not everyone can have that. Like, you know, sometimes people die in hospitals and, mm. or, you know, they don't have the family anymore. And yeah, my dad, he died in hospital. And similar, you know, then various people came into the room. We just sort of kept him in the room and people kind of came in and came out and did goodbyes that way. And it definitely felt like the right thing to do for us and every family is completely different but what you're describing sounds nice (laughs) that's what I think I'm saying like that idea of like a big unit and all those people And, and I think what's so great is that you don't get plunged into you don't get plunged into the grief like cold water straight away do you because it's like there's people you have to make tea you have to talk to someone then you cry then you're laughing and it's that kind of bustle keeps the grief just from hitting you in the face straight away which I think might be helpful
0: yeah. you don't feel yeah. alone
1: mm.
0: you know and death is the process of someone going and leaving you yeah and it's an absence isn't it sudden so t- to not to to lessen the loneliness to t- to share in it helps with it i think i mean when mum died mm-hmm. there was 10 12 of us in that room wow. uh and and i mean some good comedy as well going on <laughs> we were standing because obviously my parents are catholics mum especially devout and we were saying Rosary, Hail Marys. Hail I can't, Marys. Yeah, yeah, which you take it in turn to say a verse each, and our cousin kept forgetting when it came to his turn what the words were and his dad our uncle kept getting really cross with him and it was absolutely hilarious because the build-up as it went round the room one by one we had done it about 80 times so god knows why but in his grief he couldn't and every time it got to him he kept forgetting the words and it was just great really funny Uh, but you know we were lucky they both died at home because because uh Marie Curie nurses you know I'm an ambassador for them now because thank god for them they uh they they provide nurses and who come and help you you know help the patient be at home so mum and dad both died at home in their own beds surrounded by their Mm. families um, well, that, that was we a slightly
3: funny moment with with when dad was dying
0: yeah oh, the um, nurse
3: the nurse going he's gone and me and my sister were going no he hasn't because he was still breathing <laughs> i just going, no he's gone he's gone <laughs> she obviously knew it was imminent we were like no he
0: hasn't well also and the then... moment the moment he died you know it was getting really dramatic mm. Uh and it was literally just about I think he was just about to die and the door burst open the nurse said anyone want a cup of tea? Oh,
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> we were like not now thank not you there. not not right now read
1: the room
4: read the
0: room <laughs> and I think he died about 8 seconds later.
1: Oh. <laughs> uh, he's waiting. Perhaps he's waiting for someone to
0: Maybe, yeah. To for a cup out. of tea. Yeah.
1: I think so, um yeah that it's funny isn't that moment cuz you know, if you have watched someone die, the breathing slows so much. And we definitely have that. But my brother was like, mum, is he gone? And she was like, no. <laughs> like, really then they tell, take one they? more breath and you're like, but you're sort of like watching as if it's like some bet you're waiting for, you know, like, <laughs> no, still going. Yeah, okay. And then you all kind of, oh, right, we've got five. Yeah, we've got five more minutes here.
3: I really hope that, you know, the person dying hears that as their last thing. <laughs> yeah. Has he? Has he? No, no, not no,
1: no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, I, I, you'll know, guys, you'll know, okay? I'll do yes. right a smile here. on their face. <laughs> I mean, those oh. moments are, yeah, blissful because the rest of it is so fucking awful. You know, that's why I always tell people when I speak to listeners who say, oh, well, I feel so bad, this happened. And I'm like, don't feel bad because the grief is so shit. If there's a bit mm. of laughter in it, like that's the gold that you sort of have to hold on to because the rest yeah. of it's shit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, and why can't there be? Yeah. Who says there can't be funny moments? Oh, God. in God! Yeah. Uh, of course there are. I mean, I'm slightly obsessed by undertakers, and you because know, they must come into work on a, re- and, uh, you know, some days on a real high, <laughs> just fallen <laughs> in love, or so you know, they've won the lottery, they've won sixty quid, or something, you know, something exciting has happened to them. Yeah. But of course, they've got to get the game face on, yeah. which is sombre. But uh,
1: <laughs> poor undertakers. That's, back, that's Backstage
0: undertakers.
1: That's, yeah. Uh, the stage that's managers. My next sitcom. i'd watch it Stephen. i'd watch it um how have you kept them alive for your children like is that do you talk about them are you very sort of open that they're you know they you know granny and it's really hard it's really hard mm. i mean mum
0: died 30 years ago yeah i've got a five-year-old who's who you know and he's got one grandparent alive his his grandmother my wife's mother and it's very hard for him to conceive of the concept Mm. even my 13 year old my oldest it's very hard, you know, from photographs. Obviously, there's not really any video because yeah, we're so yeah. old. Um, it's just well, difficult. There is video
3: somewhere, but we we can't find it, can we? We've yeah. got mom, we got mum. We used to do these little scenes, like right, recreate adverts when video cameras first came about. Dad had one for work, and we nicked it for a while and recreated the Pepsi challenge and stuff. <laughs> and we got one. We got mum to act in one of them, you know, to tell us off holding a wooden spoon and oh, I don't know where that video is I mean yeah. where is it we, we
1: neither one of us know um, we talk a lot but, about that on the show Of because I'm the same as you if you're an analogue griever so like mm. everything is like not to hand whereas the digital lot have like they just pick up their phones and they've got voicemails voice memos thousands of photos but the analogue lot are like um, I think it's in that attic. No, we yeah. took it out of there, didn't yeah. we? Uh, it's it's a you-
0: picture. She had an Irish accent. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. about. That's all about all I've got for you.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to kind of, yeah. To I mean, I'm saying because my dad would be. Um, I think I'm 22 years now, 23 years. I've lost count past 20, and it, it's very hard to to conjure up that person. I think all you can do is the stories. I think the stories are such great character portraits aren't they but it's like my daughter's four and so yeah she just she'll just say things like oh well because your dad's dead your daddy's dead and I'm like yep that's (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's where we're at with that okay (laughs) like yeah yeah
0: well your mummy's in Devon as my five-year-old said to me (laughs) I was like if she's in Devon that is serious news
1: (laughs) but yeah it is it is hard it is hard especially when it is a long time ago but um I guess the main thing I've tried to do is not hide it, you know, like just oh, yeah. they're dead. That's it. So that when they do get to hopefully an older age and they can say, oh, right, let me see that picture. Let me imagine. Let me ask for that story. But mm. not and you hope they'd be comfortable to ask that because they've seen you be comfortable talking about them.
0: Do you take that's them sort- to the graveyard or-
1: yeah obviously i don't have a graveyard to take because oh, right. we cremated uh okay. my dad and then scattered the ashes and funny enough at the time i thought it was a great idea after talking to people for five years bloody graveyards are bloody brilliant like i just think that <laughs> like, you've got somewhere to go and it doesn't that place doesn't move
0: yeah you know? i mean it doesn't feel like them though because they only went there yeah. once and they were you know <laughs> in a box true. it's not it's yeah. not really <sighs> Uh, you know it doesn't it doesn't bring them back i think it's partly the reason we go to ireland is because that yeah. feels like the place where they they are but yeah i mean we they, we they are buried in north london our parents but it is somewhere we can go together and yeah on those days and meet up with people and then go for a cup of coffee or whatever
3: mm. but well, yeah and the, the the subject is not taboo definitely not yeah. no and my, my daughter's now 17 and i've got a 14 year old boy and she asks about them, you know i mean she was she was the only grandchild as such she was alive when my dad was alive, but she was eighteen months old, so yeah. she doesn't remember him at all, yeah. and he adored her and and you know he'd he'd walk her around his flat, kind of carrying her, showing her things like the window <laughs> locks on his windows, and I was thinking at the time. would she be interested in the window locks dad but you know now I find it's just so lovely and cute that he'd be showing her that sort of thing but but yeah you um you just have to yeah just keep talking about them and and I think you you know I I think we live on through them sort Mm. of thing I I hug my kids a lot my mum used to hug me a lot and I tell Maddie that I say I you know my mum was a big hugger you know as we're having a hug and I think you just you just carry on You you talk about like that, and I I suppose you know. With us, we grew up with mum's mum, just Mm. seeing a a black and white photograph of her. So you have to you sort of conjure up your own image of them and what they were like, don't you? Yeah. If you don't, if you don't know them.
1: Yeah, it's difficult. There's no, you know, it's like grief, isn't it? There's no simple thing to it. It's always something tinged with pain that your children don't get to know them in that way. Mm. It's it's always it hurts but then like you said they'll do something that reminds you of them or you get to tell them a story and that's lovely but yeah it's never all good and all bad or just like fine (laughs) it's just something you live with
0: and I waited till my late 40s to have my last child I mean the chances of me knowing my grandchildren are are, (laughs) but you're not going to die remember oh that's true yeah cool I forgot about that thank you oh yeah (laughs) you know if if there's one message I could say here is have children when you're 18 years old (laughs) (laughs) So that all the grandparents and great grandparents and great great grandparents yeah. know each other, and uh, I do.
1: Yeah. I that's something that I you know as people do these days. I had my kids quite late, and it wasn't until I had them that I was like, oh fuck! Like, why didn't I? Yeah. I see now, I see why people did used to do this younger because one, your the parents were hopefully alive and would be able to help, <laughs> yeah. And also they would get yeah. You so, it sort of makes sense, but obviously that made sense when we were all living in rural villages in island or wales
0: (laughs) it makes sense to me now i don't i you know the idea that my grandchildren if i'm around you know i'll look like this just ancient old man doddering around Mm. um (laughs) rather than the the virile vital human being that i am now (laughs) Uh, uh, um.
1: that was the most perfect younger sister cough i've i've got an older brother that was so (laughs) yeah (laughs) so with the book i just want to talk about it briefly because um, yeah, I read it um, yesterday. I was hovering about saying yesterday. I read it yesterday, and um, I really loved it. I really, really loved it. And I started it thinking, um, "Oh, I see. Okay, you know, middle grade adventure book. Yeah, yeah, yeah." Like, and struggling with the riddles because I'm not, a, I'm not a riddle person. But the way that you've, the way that you've got grief in there, I think, is absolutely brilliant, and and quite and really clever because it's very it's sort of hidden but not in a horrible way you know like it's not like when you hide vegetables in a sauce for a child and <laughs> like sneak it in <laughs> it feels like it's just just under the surface enough how was it writing it for you Stephen? and and how was it reading it for you it need to like because obviously you recognize you're both talking and as i have an older brother and you know you you you've been through the same experiences but you're Take away from those experiences completely different. So, yeah, lots of questions there. Sorry. So, how was it writing? Well, I,
0: I mean, I, I, uh, I think when you write a book, you're, you feel under pressure to come up with an ending, you know, the beginning, a middle, and an end, and to solve the mystery or, you know, to come up mm. with something that. And thinking about grief as I was writing, you realize that it doesn't end. Mm. You don't deal with it, wrap it up, oh. and then go, well, I've done that now. It's not yeah. like an adventure where you get the prize or you get. Out of the, you beat the 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 enemy. It's just there, and and you have to try and deal with it as it comes along. So, I mean, there were so many things that came up writing the book. The idea that you can get it wrong, that you can Mm. you can do grief wrong. You know, the worry when you are grieving that somehow you're not normal. The idea that you might feel awful one minute and elated the next you know and your emotions are all over the place and the idea that that perhaps is because you don't care enough or you don't you know I should just be sad for three years Mm. I should go around crying because my parent has died we don't process grief like that that's not how it works Um, it comes and it goes especially when you're younger I think Um, those emotions come through you and they, and, then, and then they go and then they come back and, and, and it's a sort of lifetime process. So I think having to write a book where it was grief is, is a sort of fundamental basis, even though it's a kind of, you know, funny adventure story, essentially, it's not a sort of weep fest by any means, but there is a sort of, you know, the background of grief that, that I just wanted to say to people, just try and deal with it as it comes along. Mm. and you know today you'll be dealing with something and you may deal with it well you may not and then tomorrow something else will happen Uh, and just keep you know just keep trying Mm. Uh, there's no there's no right there's no wrong there's no successful you're never going to beat it you're never going to get rid of it you don't want to get rid of it because you know you love them you're going to miss them so it's just to give yourself a bit of a break Mm. Uh, and this concept of rooms you know just take it take it one step at a time I suppose that was the, the the sort of conclusion I came to in writing it of like how to, to tackle it because yeah you can't you can't wrap it up it there's no there's no end result there is never an end result mm. there's only a continuing ongoing and of course you know uh, that's that's what life is you never get there you never mm. you never go right everything is now perfect <laughs> I can now start living my life and it's very easy to think that it's very easy to think if I if I get that job or I can have those children or that get that house or, you know, then things will be... You know, no, <laughs> those <laughs> things are temporarily uh, having an impact. But life will just keep coming at you and you just have to keep doing your best and, and don't give yourself a hard time. And, and you're not alone. There are people out there who've been through it and you can talk to them if you want. And if you don't feel like it, so fine. You don't have to be someone who you know some people aren't people who have to spend days and weeks discussing every nuance of every feeling they've had Uh, Mm. it can be very useful to talk to people but um there isn't a i I liked
1: that the two characters had very different approaches to the grief i thought that was really helpful especially for kids because and you know everything we say that on the show all the time like it doesn't go away it doesn't and i Mm. think when I speak to people who are like two years down the line, when they sort of, real, when they ask me, oh, I'm 20 plus years, they're like, oh shit, like what? Because <laughs> they think, <laughs> are you joking? I'm going to yeah. be doing it. And you're like, yeah, you are. But it won't be as bad as it is at that two year point. You know, like that is a really, really, you've just, you're right by the bomb blast. But I think that's something we just need to normalize that it's something you just carry with you because you, that person will never stop being, Your parent, someone you loved, someone who cared for you. That doesn't their death hasn't changed that. And I think people just like you said, they love the idea of an ending. They love the idea of like, I get to this point and the grief will go. And it's like What do I
0: have to do to get rid of it? What do I have to do to feel better?
1: To fix it. I think we're so looking for an answer and fixing and and that's what, yeah, I thought this book really captured that idea and which is it's hard to explain to a child because you know to them two weeks from where they are now is like what they're fucking ages away and to be like it's just something you you have to go through
0: and also to, to that—that life can be fun and exciting and a wild ride as all this is happening yes yeah, life yeah, yeah. doesn't have to stop and then you grieve mm. i mean it might do it might stop for a while but these things can you know they, they it's just sort of it's added into the stream of your life you know it's a, yeah. it's another tributary feeding into that river uh, and life is a, is a mixture of all those things and and that's okay and and you can still laugh and have fun and be angry at times and be unpleasant and and be caring and all all those you know all that lovely complex stuff it can all be happening at once that's okay
1: yeah i think that's again what people don't realise about grief till, you know, it happens to you of like, it's, it's not one thing. It's a million things at the same time in your body, emotionally, physical, all of it. Um, Anita, how was it when you read it? Like, did you feel?
3: Well, it went through a few drafts. A few? It went from... (laughs) 7,000 drafts. Um, Each time, each time it just got better and better. But you
1: know that the, there's the the bit at the the beginning when he thinks he sees his mum. Mm, oh, that really um, caught me actually, because yeah. I, I was sort of like, okay, yeah, kids' book. And then I was like, because <gasps> we've all done that, we've all thought we've <laughs> yeah. seen them, yeah.
3: Oh, a hundred percent. You know, just you can, even now, I think I, I see her as mm. she would look now. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, it, it's very Stephen, and it's you know, it's got the tenderness with the comedy in perfect balance, um, and being brother and sister as well we just share so much history and sense of humour and you know the whole the sort of Irish family thing of you know one minute laughing the next minute crying in equal measure I just I got I got it and um you know um I thought he wrote it perfectly he's great
4: (laughs) (laughs) and this is on tape (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah He's got a oh yeah record can we that. can we rewind that bit actually <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I thought that and I was wondering maybe it's like the drawing of the character looks a bit like Stephen there's an mm. element of that but then I was looking at like the girl and I was like I felt like Anita I was like was Anita a bit of a goth when she was younger like there was something <laughs> like I recognise as an ex-goth uh, myself
3: <laughs> well I, I not, not really no I wasn't okay. I wasn't at all a goth um I was more sort of long, curly, 80s hair um, rocker, you know, or wanted to be. Um, But um, the description of the main character, Jack, was a a boy with lots of curly hair, so I couldn't help but (laughs) um, subconsciously (laughs) almost draw Stephen. But Stephen does appear, as do I and my sister, in the book. As a drawing,
1: I thought so. There's a moment, isn't there, where there's loads, yeah, yeah. And I thought that exactly. I was like, is that them, <laughs> having seen the Presleys? But yeah, I think that's the that's the uh, that's yeah, the, the, carpet. the people who've right. got new carpets. And oh yeah, can't I can't like,
0: stop yeah. sniffing yeah. them. So I really like the smell. Yeah, we're in we're in that lineup.
3: <laughs> well, he he will write. You know, a, there are 20 people lined <laughs> up, and they're all gradually getting taller. Um, and I, you know, when I turned the page of that, and I thought, oh, okay draw one take forever to draw one. one oh n- number two <laughs> 18 to go <laughs> thanks thanks bro you're
1: going in there <laughs> but yeah I think it, it's it's really you know it's really good to have these books that that talk about grief in a way for children that isn't so the rabbit has died you know like because I think I know what I wouldn't have wanted to read and you know I know you guys were a bit older but still you said you know you were, you were young it's you know that that kind of young person mentality when things happen to you it's like you don't want it to be yeah dealt with in a kind of school video educational way because that's what so much of it feels like and I thought that was you know so successful about the book is that it's in there but it's not like making you sit down and talk about your feelings in a way that makes you want to yeah it
0: comes out and their stories come out and fits and starts and Mm. then the feelings come out and fits and starts and I think that's what happens you don't just sit down and unleash all that you feel and all your pain, you don't even realise what it is sometimes yeah. for years. You don't know oh, the God. effect it's had on you and how it's changed you or damaged you or, you know, altered you. It takes a long time for that stuff to come out and it comes out in fits and starts and sudden realisations and, uh, oh, you, and bits, you could just be, bits of denial. You could, and,
3: sorry, yeah. I mean, you could just be... You know, there's a smell that's particularly mm. evocative. You know, I can, I can... I go for a walk with my dog in the woods, and um, every now and then they—they they must have a log-burning stove in the uh, in the, the woodman's cabin, and the smell of it just Where do reminds live? me. of you live in, Hansel and
0: Gretel's house?
3: <laughs> <laughs> the smell of it reminds me of Dad doing bonfires, and I just stand there with my eyes closed while my dogs, you know, terrifying squirrels all <laughs> over the place. But I just—I It just sort of takes me back, mm. and you know, and it's a—it's a lovely, peaceful thing. I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not sad about it, but it just can catch you sometimes like that can't it mm. just a, a smell of something
1: oh yeah and i think that you said <clears throat> fits and starts is a a good description of what grief does to you and catching you it's and that's what i think all that when people say you know oh it gets easier which i think when you're at the beginning of your grief journey you're like what the fuck does that mean but what it all it means is every time it does catch you you've been caught before so you're like you know what it is you know that it will pass you know how to like find your way out of it again and and i think all that happens is you just get better at not running away from it you know that's certainly all i've done after years of like run grief (laughs) is coming (laughs) fucking run and now i'm like oh here it is okay hi like it will it will pass but yeah that's i think you just get better at going oh that smell is making me think of him Mm. and so what i need to do is just close my eyes and Remember it, rather than like panic about it. Yeah, grief. I mean,
0: after Mum died, I went to drama school, grew my hair long, wore leotards and jazz shoes, did modern dance.
3: It affects (laughs) us all very differently. I mean, (laughs) that leotard you're wearing now is particularly.
0: (laughs) It's gorgeous. It's lovely. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Lime green.
1: (laughs) Uh, Thank you both so much for talking to me. And I completely forgot to ask your mum and dad's names at the beginning, which I normally do.
0: Anita. checking uh, if you remember that's not their
1: name <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry Mary and James Mary and James well thank you yeah. so much for talking to me about Mary and James it was a pleasure they sound like bloody good parents they were thanks Carrie. thank you as I said Stephen's book Escape the Rooms illustrated by Anita Mangan is available to buy now it's absolutely brilliant I definitely recommend it even if you're not 9 to 14 you can follow us on the on the old socials <laughs> at the Griefcast on Instagram and Twitter. Show was edited by Kate Holland. It was recorded remotely uh, in I think mine in Anita's living room, and it seemed like Stephen's spare room. I'll be honest, it's in a bit of a bit of a not a living room situation. And the music was provided by the Glow But it's the last episode. I thought I'd make the outro different. If you've got this far, God, thank you. <laughs> not many people get to the outro, so if you have this is just for you thank you so much for listening i genuinely wouldn't be able to do this without you so hi and i hope you're having a nice day hope it involves chocolate um the show will be back in the autumn and remember as ever you are not alone